and welcome to Teachers in the Dungeon. I am Tom Gross and you know Dan, I've been I've been trying to spruce up the dungeon room here a little bit because <laughs> you know last week we had Mark Oberly, the freelance writer for Palladium Books. Tonight we've got special guests and next week we have special guests. I threw a ham bone down the uh, corridor so that to keep the goblins busy for a little while so they won't be disturbing us. <laughs> So I think we're good. Hey, this is everybody. This is Dan Ream, co-host, Teachers in the Dungeon. Hello, Dan. Hello. With audio problems and all, but I'm here. Yes, indeed, indeed. We brushed off a couple extra stones tonight to uh, sit down around. A big topic over the last several weeks, maybe a month now, has been the dropping the release of the Baldur's Gate 3 game. And we couldn't think of anyone better to uh, get this ball rolling and talking about Baldur's Gate 3 then two of our friends who joined us at our summer camp this last year. Uh, we got Jared and Jay Gross. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. I have to ask, you're not currently playing right now while we're talking, are you? I strongly considered it. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Was, to be honest, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking about it, if that counts. So, so we've we've convinced you to put it down for just long enough to talk about it. Yes, yes, yes. But half my mind, like that scene in Social Network when uh, when he tells him that like you have the tiniest fraction of my attention, my brain. That's that's where I am right now. The rest of my brain is down in the basement thinking what I'm going to do next. <laughs> so, I guess to get things started, I I played Baldur's Gate years ago on the PC. Um, I couldn't even tell you. I, something of the Sword Coast. Does that sound familiar? <sighs> Legends of the Sword Coast, maybe it was. But loved playing the game. It was right at the beginning of my professional career of teaching. So I played for several months, maybe a couple of years, and then teaching sort of took over my life and uh, had to give it up. I had that and a beholder that I could not seem to get past. So it was a discouraging piece of it all also. So lots of... Lots of lots of things have changed in the video game world since Baldur's Gate PC game came out. So I guess let's start with this. What is your overall take, or if you want to do a grade, how has it been for you playing the game? Just give, a, give us a general impression of Baldur's Gate 3 from your playtime. I'll defer to my little brother first. Okay, thank you, thank you. I've actually also had played Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 20 plus years ago now, I guess. I played those games a lot, like an embarrassing amount. I had a good friend that I worked with at the time. He was also playing them, so we would come into work every morning and compare notes as to where we were at and what we'd seen and what we'd fought and the crazy stuff that we had done. And 
there, there was a day that I remember I was down in my basement, actually in this very room, and I was playing and I came, I stumbled out of the office and I realized that I could see dawn, like there was sunlight coming through the basement windows. And it was like 4 a.m. and I had to go to work in like three hours. So I'm way too old for that anymore. But so yeah, so I played Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 a lot. And so Baldur's Gate 3, when I when I read about it, you know, I guess it's been like three years now since they announced it, um, had a really long dev cycle. Uh, I was really excited to try it again, just to see if they could recapture that magic. And I will say that for the most part, I mean, video gaming has changed a lot, and we can get into that, what's changed, but it really scratches a lot of the same itch as, that, as those original games. Like, it is as close as you can get to playing D&D without actually having to deal with other people. <laughs> nice. Well, I think we're going to get into that, a little bit more discussion about how it's like D&D, but Jared, how about your uh, general impressions of the game so far? This is going to be an interesting comparison and contrast between Jay's experiences and mine. The last video game of any type that I invested time in was Tiger Woods 2014 for the Wii. I am not a video gamer at all. I will occasionally do like uh, Call of Duty sessions with my kids. They had a great time running around and shooting me while I'm trying not to, you know, fall off a ledge or, you know, and I, they knew I was on a timer because after about 45 minutes of that nonstop, I'm running one way and I'm looking a different way and I'm shooting a third way, I would start to get motion sick. Oh. So for me, modern video games, like I'm a fairly smart person but my brain cannot visually process what's going on the screen when it just changes that fast. So for me, modern board or modern video games, I just I'm not interested. Yeah, I know. I'm with you on that. I mean, I have tried to play Super Smash Bros. with my oldest son, and (laughs) it's not. I've seen him play that. (laughs) That, Yeah, it's not fun. (laughs) Yeah. So my daughter, who's 23 or will be in a couple weeks. She kept, she's been for the last couple of years, dad, I want to find a video game you're going to like. Dad, I want to get you into a video game. Hmm. And this one came out. And I think, Jay, you were the one that talked to me about it. Yeah, yeah. And I even asked you, what's it like? And you said, it's a D&D game based on the 5E rule set. I didn't even know that much. Hmm. And I was instantly like, oh, okay. Let's try this out. Now, I don't have any PCs at home. My kids, who are, like I said, are both adults, they went together and bought a PS5 like two weeks ago so that we could have a console at home on which we could play it. I have to play it on my son's PC. <laughs> so you're doing, okay, so you're doing the PC version. Correct. And, I, yeah. Yeah, and I'm doing the PS5 version and I am having an absolute blast. I have yeah. nothing to compare it to other than Tiger Woods. 2014 for the Wii. Um, it, things have improved since then. <laughs> okay. Hey, just out of curiosity, Jay. Well, I, I'm guessing Jared, you're gonna know on this, but Jay, did you did you ever play Skyrim? I tried. I did. I tried. So my oldest son, the one I played Super Smash Bros. with, he this was back when he still lived at home. He said, "Yeah, Dad, you'll love this game. It's really cool. You know, fantasy role playing. You'll love it." 
I played it for about 15 minutes and I gave up. I just oh. couldn't control the camera, the, the, the movement. I, <laughs> I have this mental uh, this memory of constantly running into a stone wall, looking down at the floor and something was attacking me from behind and I couldn't figure out how to turn around. I couldn't figure out how to get the camera where I needed to go. And I was like, I'm too dumb to play video games anymore. I'm done. Okay. Jared. I actually, sir, I actually made it a little bit longer in Skyrim. Yeah. Cause my kids played Skyrim and of course they talked with my nephew there and they would talk about it. And that was the game that Leah kept saying, dad, I think you'll like this. It's the one that's most like D and D. And I mean, it was years ago that I tried it. Elder Scrolls, I, or is that? Oh, maybe that's the one I tried. I think that's, that wasn't Skyrim. I think it was Elder Scrolls was the one that I tried. I, Isn't I, that? I, okay. It's all the I same franchise. Gonna, I, yeah. I don't remember. I'm going to show my ass all throughout this when we talk about other video games, but I'm pretty sure those are the same thing. Yeah. Yep. Oh, all right. And yeah, I played it for an hour or two and I just, I couldn't get the, I did, it just didn't grab me. But okay. this was long before I had played D&D. So, and I don't know, that was, oh gosh. I don't know how long it's been out, 10 years? So it I just was didn't a, grab me. I was the the de dictionary definition of video game addict when I was introduced to Skyrim. I never played the Elder Scrolls that came before that, or even the ones, there's there's a large MMO now of, of Elder Scrolls. But Skyrim was my introduction to that story. And I became highly addicted. I mean, I would play, I'd get home from work on a Friday and ignore my entire family. And Sunday night came and I'm, I'm not even sure if I slept, if I ate, I just, I could play that thing for hours and hours and hours. So my, my, the reason I asked is, is I, I can't picture this being, I mean, I have a hard time understanding how a game could be better than Skyrim, but I'm hoping that you convince me otherwise because... I love Dungeons and Dragons. So I'm going to toss it to Dan for a question because I'll just keep talking and talking and talking. So Dan, I know you got a question, so let's hear it. Well, that's all right. I was going to say, I think given my audio difficulties tonight, probably the more you talk, the better. It will come out better in the end. But I just have one big general question that can just go in any direction you want. How does the game, because you guys kind of fit this a little bit, a D&D &D player that's not particularly into video games, what's the experience like? Yeah, it it is immediately familiar, like the mechanics, like they just, the D&D &D mechanics are in your face. You're coming up to a guard and it says, do you want to try an intimidation? You're like, okay, let's try an intimidation. And here's the 20, here's the D20. It shows you all your modifiers. Do you want to cast guidance? Do you want to, and then you click the dice and it rolls it and you pass or fail. So, I mean, those just really, really familiar mechanics of D&D &D, as an example. Um, the combat, it's all, you roll initiative and it's all turn-based. And so you can sit there and think about it because that's probably the hardest part. That's probably the biggest change from tabletop D&D &D, is that I have to control four characters when I'm playing Baldur's Gate instead of only one. That can be a little overwhelming at first. So I, I rolled up a, an orc ranger. And so I'm like, okay, I kind of got a sense of what he can do. But now I've also got a cleric and a warlock and a rogue that I just met. So those are my NPCs in my party. So now I have to keep track of these four dudes and all the different things they can do. And then they level up and you control the level up process, even for the NPCs. You make all the decisions as to what feats and spells and things that they learn. 
it's it's a lot. It's a lot. So in that sense, it can be a little overwhelming and a little more complicated even than, you know, when I only have to keep track of one guy. Um, that's probably been the biggest learning curve, that and the damn camera, but that's just because I'm old. <laughs> um, <laughs> Potter's Gate 2, you know, it was all 2D sprites. You didn't have 3D cameras swinging around. Right. Yeah, so I I think, and you know, anyone coming into this with, with the D&D 5e background is going to be right at home. Jared? Yeah, I would agree with that. Several thoughts as listening to Jay there. If I didn't know D&D 5e, I would already be done with this game. I, I, I would be, I would be lost, overwhelmed yeah. with choices and options and actions that I couldn't possibly... Now, we had three choices of difficulty and you know, I didn't want to be a wuss, so I put it on the medium one. If I had started on the tutorial level, perhaps that would have been a gentler introduction into the gameplay. But Jay's right. It throws you in right away. <laughs> I am, like I said, I'm going to show my ass all night. That's fine. I am playing a, a drow sorcerer because that was the first one that came up when I created a character and I couldn't figure out how to change it. <laughs> I guess I'll just take the default. <laughs> this must be the best one. Yeah, I had no idea how to take... I mean, I'm pushing buttons. And I'm like, okay, it doesn't change. Fine, I'll just... Oh, wow. I've never played a sorcerer. So that's, so that's part of the fun for me is this gives me a chance to play character types that I... or mm. classes or... I'm races, I think I'm a drow or half drow that I've never played before. Jay and I were just talking. Yeah, if you go back to our text thread, uh, a lot of it over the last week has been Baldur's Gate related. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry, we weren't going to say that. Hopefully our boss is going this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> Dr. Jarvis, if you're hearing this. When Jay told me that the combat was turn-based, instead of live action, that's what made me want to play it. Yeah. Because I can't, I can't process when I have to live, you know, real time fight. But the fact that I can sit there and if it takes me 30 seconds to figure out what I want to do and another 45 seconds to figure out how to do it and which combination of clicks and scrolls to do it. Like the music is making it tense and it makes me feel like I'm on a clock. Mm -hmm. But I'm not. I can I can take as long as I want, and I really appreciate that. That's probably Tom. You said you played. That is what I loved about the original Baldur's Gate. I was going to say that's one of the things that's changed. The old ones were turn based under the covers, but it created the illusion of being real time. The way it worked, if you hadn't played it, yeah, you didn't spend far to pause the game. You. Click on your fighter and you say attack that guy, and you click on your cleric and you say heal that guy, mm -hmm. and you click on your wizard and you say cast magic missile on that guy, and then you'd hit the space bar and you'd see what happened. And under the oh. cover, the, the software is doing everything in actual turn order, but most of that is hidden, and so it's doing it really fast. And you know, once the the guy the fighter was killing is down, then it'll say, okay, you probably want to go attack that guy instead. And it'll right. sort of make choices for you. So it looks like everything's happening simultaneously, but it's really not. 
And then when you get mad because your stupid cleric didn't do what you told him to, you hit space bar again. You say, no, I want you to cast that healing spell on that guy. And then you hit space bar again and you see what happened. <laughs> and so it, it kind of hit a lot of the turn-based and it kind of tried to disguise it and make it feel like it was real time, even though it really wasn't. This game just does away with all of that. It is strict initiative order, turn-based. You click the thing when it's the end of the turn and it goes to the next person in the turn order. Do you have to, but you have to play four characters at once, or is that just an option? If you want to live, that that's the most that you can have in your party. Yeah, I see. You, and you could, can, is can this be multiplayer? Can you play this with folks, or is it pretty much just yourself? Th- there is a multiplayer option, but I have not explored that at all. Because then both so, our wives would be mad at us simultaneously, <laughs> <laughs> other than individually. It's definitely <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Keep those as independent events. Correct. Right. Right. Yeah. But then you could each blame the other. Oh, that's true. That's deflect, very you know, true. deflect, you know, attention. Yeah. So you mentioned the in the turn base, you mentioned the initiative and is there actual digital dice rolling? There is when you're doing saving throw or like checks, like persuasion checks, intimidation checks. Yes, you actually see an animated dice on the screen a D20 and you click it and it rolls and tells you your, your response. In combat, I think there's like a log that, yeah, you can hide all of that. So you don't oh, really yeah. see your, it just tells you, did you hit, did you miss, how much damage did you do? But again, going back to the planning, I'm a rogue doing a ranged attack from a high position and I target a character on the ground. When I target that character, before I fire the arrow, it'll tell me what percent chance I have of being successful. Oh. Oh. And it'll tell me. And it and there are green things. You have advantage. You have the high ground. My goodness, does Baldur's Gate really value the high ground? Yeah, if you haven't ground. started playing, get the high ground. High ground, yeah. And it's not even have to be one ledge, you know, a few feet is enough. The percentage is both infuriating and helpful. I'm trying to do uh, uh, my Warlock. What does a Warlock do? Eldritch Blast. Trying to do Eldritch Blast on this Ogre. I got advantage. 96% success rate. I missed. (laughs) (laughs) Pressed about through my son's PC through the window. (laughs) I'm the math guy. 96 ain't 100, bro. Don't tell me the odds. (laughs) (laughs) And you can also, (laughs) and again, uh, I discovered this last night watching my daughter play it for the first time. I've got about 18 hours in. Uh, she was playing it for the first time last night. When you target an enemy, you can push, I don't know, some friggin' thing, and it'll bring up the enemy stat block. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is their armor class. This is how many, this really? is what they're resistant to. The, I didn't know. I that. didn't. I know, Jay. Jay, I'm watching I'm like, Jay on the video. I, I, He's shocked. Than I, I've only got like 12 or 13 hours in it, but yeah, you're. I, I, I hadn't discovered that yet. <laughs> no, I thought she. I thought she was. I thought she was a wizard. She's like, no, Dad, you just push the down button or whatever. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of information that's normally hidden in a phase in a tabletop session that right. you have access to here, which is, which is nice, and maybe the best thing. And again, Jay and I were texting about this if it goes south and you just get smoked restart and And try it again with a different strategy which tom you will remember from baldur's gate one and two that replaying combats over and over and over yes trying to find 
the right strategy, trying to get your players to do what I told you to do. Yep. Yep. And yeah. I, that's that to me is what makes it so tactically like interesting. Like, okay, I really screwed that fight. Okay, I gotta rethink how yeah. I'm gonna approach this. To me, it feels like a strategy game, not yeah. a button mashing game. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, I, okay. I, to me, that's a valuable comment because you know Skyrim is real time. Yeah. yeah. And 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 while there might be some strategy, most of it is who, how fast can you push that? And yeah, do you get yeah. yourself turned around? Do you know where they are? That kind of stuff. Right. Let's talk a little bit about the character creation. How detailed is that? Now, Jared, you mentioned that you went with default because you couldn't figure it out. So is it a complicated process? And how many steps are there? How much time should I set aside to create a character in Baldur's Gate 3? You, you could easily, I mean, if you really want to get into it, probably spend two or three hours on it. It is incredible, the visual options that you have to customize the look and feel of your character. It is astonishing. If you want, you can customize their genitalia. Not joking. That is an option. <laughs> I did not find that menu. That was not one of the default options. Maybe that was PC only. Explored it a little bit. Like just enough to go, huh, this is kind of weird. I don't know how much I want to see my orcs junk. Uh, yeah, we'll just go with the standard. Standard junk. It's wow. hairstyles, hair colors, facial hair, scarring. You know, the one thing that you don't have that kind of surprised me is like physical builds. Like I thought they might have like a oh. like a slender athletic build or a stocky husky build. They really don't. It's you pretty much have everything sort of gender coded. You have a male and a female physique for each race. And I don't know, it's probably got 10 or 12 races. But within that, it's it, there is a, an overwhelming amount of custom customizations you can make. Mm. <laughs> oh. What do you know? Or you can just take Drow Warlock and call it today, or Sorceress and call it today. Sure. Yeah, you're playing in five minutes. And they do have pre-rolled characters. If you don't want to do any of that, if that's too overwhelming, you can actually just take a canned pre-rolled up character and you can be in the game in minutes. That's okay. probably what I did. I didn't realize it. That's possible. I picked her name. Okay. <laughs> oh. I think you can actually play as some of the NPCs too. I think that's an option too. Okay. Oh, okay. Are the NPCs like are there notable names that you encounter? Like, is Dritz Duarden in the game or Jahara or no. Minx Zimbu? The only one that I I mean, I'm not super deep in the D D lore. The only one I've seen that I recognize, I think, is Volo, who I think oh, is yeah. a bard. Yeah. Yeah, you're in a totally different part of the map than I am, so... That's the thing, is we're talking about the stuff that we're doing, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't do any of that. Really? Yeah, the game is freaking oh. huge. It's a very open open world. Yeah. Unlike you just randomly in random spaces, or can you choose where to go? Oh, totally choose. It just, you know, you literally come to a fork in the road, and you pick a path, and then something but happens, and somebody and somebody... Something happens and you get this quest assigned to you. And then you have to go over there and do something. But on the way, you get distracted by something shiny and you never make it. And I mean, I've got a list of unfinished quests, about eight or 10 of them. 
Yeah. It automatically journals for you, which as these guys, as Dan and Jay know, having played with me now for about four years, I'm terrible. I don't write down squat when we play over the table. So having an automatic journal is delightful. But I mean, can you choose where your your character spawn at the very beginning? Like, I want to be in water deep, or I want to be, no. or is it they no. drop you somewhere? No, you 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 start on a beach. Wow, there's like a little in prologue thing, and after that, you you are basically shipwrecked on a beach. Have no idea where you are, and you just pick a direction and start walking. Like I walked up to this stone door. I failed my unlock throw, saving throw. Okay, crap. Well, I guess I'll go off and wander in that direction. Jared came up to that door and he unlocked it. And so he went and did a bunch of stuff that I didn't see simply because I couldn't <laughs> unlock the door. And he's talking about, oh, I went through these ancient ruins. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, you unlock the door? I'm like, no, I couldn't get through the door. So I went over here and met a bunch of druids. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. This is, this is quite amazing. So we've talked about character creation. We've talked a little bit about combat. Let, let's talk a little bit. Since you guys both have different experiences as far as the story goes, give us a summary. What, what, where have you been? Is it possible to give a summary? <laughs> like, okay, so yeah, let's, let's, okay, you start in, you start in a beach. The name of the game is Baldur's Gate. I haven't seen Baldur's Gate yet. I was going to say, is this all along the Sword Coast then? Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's a lot of references to Baldur's Gate. So I assume yeah. later after we'll get there, but, so yeah, so after I couldn't get through this door, I wandered off and I found a druid encampment. And they had taken in a bunch of tiefling refugees from some, something happened that the tieflings were, had to flee their home. And there was going to be a lot of tension there with the tieflings and the druids and the druids wanted the tieflings, to, refugees to leave. And then the, the roads weren't safe because of some goblins. And so then I went off to try and find the goblin encampment to speak to the to the goblin leader and Oh, I should also mention you have a tadpole in your head. I forgot about that part. Um, mm. Very what? important. Plot a mind, yeah, in the prologue, uh, you get captured by some mind flayers and they stick a tadpole in your brain that the, supposedly over time it will turn you into a mind flayer if you don't deal with it. So that's that's kind of the long running story arc. Okay. So then I go off to try and find the goblins and along the way I go through this abandoned village and that spawns six or seven more quests that, you know, while you're in this abandoned village rooting around in basements and cellars and it turns out the local healer was actually a secret necromancer and had this huge underground lair. And <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Awesome. So I finally make it to the goblins after, I don't, I don't even know how many days, like real world days have passed. <laughs> and so I, I, and now I'm crawling around in the rafters of this crumbled temple that the goblins have taken over. And it's just, it's really, it's big. It's big. And so th thankfully the auto journaling thing helps immensely. Like, wait, why am I even here? Who am I want to talk to? What was I going to talk to him about? Like all those things that um, my nephew keeps track of when we play D&D. &D. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. So the game has a built-in uh, Scott. So it just has a built-in Scott. Yes, that's my son. The, the uh, another thing that I like about those plot quests is that on the world map that you can access at any time, it drops markers yeah. where you encounter those plot points. Oh. So that I'm scrolling around the map, I'm like, oh yeah, what's that white diamond over there? And I put the cursor on it. Oh yeah, I was supposed to go find that goblin 
overlord that Jay was just talking about, but I took the right fork instead of the left fork at a certain point. Like I see the goblin village on my map surrounded by dark. Right. And all the map I've explored is way over on the other side of the map. So between the journal and the map, it you can at least figure out where to go to complete the major plot points, it seems. But I don't have any idea if you, like, quote, have to do this. This is something that I'm really wrestling with. I'm a rules guy. I've coached sports. I coach Scholastic Bowl. I work athletic events at my high school. There are rules. And the rules determine a winner and a loser. And so I'm wandering around this thing, and I have to keep telling myself, there's not just one way to do this game. Mm -hmm. There's not like a path that leads to a win and a path that leads to a loss. And that is really hard. I love board games. It's really hard to change that mindset of just, just go play. Play? What are you talking about? What are the rules? How do I know <laughs> if I win? Play. Come on. <laughs> and Jay, I can see my brother smirking here on the on the video uh, because this same conflict goes back to about yeah. the time we could walk and talk yeah. because we didn't always play well together because he's yeah. the creative one. And Jared, I'm like, okay, right. what you're are not, the rules? You're not playing right. Oh, my God. That, Jay, your voice, squeaky four-year-old Jay, <laughs> mom, he's not playing right, is in my head as I'm playing this game now as a 53-year-old uh, <laughs> teacher and adult. So that's that's been a struggle for me to just accept the exploration of it. And, Jared, and I, don't, I don't know if you remember the, when I first texted you about possibly getting into D&D, &D, I texted you, asked if you'd be interested, and then I, I kind of knew that about you. <laughs> and my follow-up text was, this is not a, it's not a game you win. <laughs> and, and you were very gracious, but the response was, oh, what's the point then? <laughs> <laughs> I understand the words. I do not understand their meaning, Dan. <laughs> so, it sounds like it, it captures the D&D experience that way, too. Yeah. yeah, And th that's why for me, whether it's Tabletop or Baldur's Gate, I really enjoy combat because there's immediate feedback mm -hmm. on my choices, my strategy. Did I do the right thing? That's when I have to go. Board game, that's where D&D &D becomes most yeah. like a board game. Yeah. Is yeah. yeah. When I meet an NPC in a tavern and have a conversation, I don't know what I should have asked or what did I, did I ask the right questions? Did I ask all the questions? Did I understand the answers? That open-endedness gnaws at me. <laughs> oh my God. I don't remember which session we, I was recently playing. It must've been in your basement, Dan, of course, because D&D always happens in a basement. <laughs> um <laughs> We yeah, it was it was the one with with uh, with my character Milo. We had been in a fight, and then we came back the next month to pick up the next session. And you said, "Oh, you guys missed out on all this on all this cool stuff." And I said, "How are we supposed to know that that was there?" And you said, "Oh, you just had to ask the guy." I'm like, "How am I supposed to know to ask him?" 
I was so frustrated by that. Frustrated with you, no, but more frustrated, more frustrated with me that I'm like, yeah, I don't need to just rush through and get to a fight all the time. Mm. <laughs> In Baldur's Gate, what I what what helps me then is that the social interactions you're picking from a menu. Yep. If I encounter a, a guard, the guard will say something, and then it gives me a list of about five different choices of responses oh. from aggressive to conciliatory. Do I want to try and deceive? Do I want to try and intimidate? I don't have to generate all of the dialogue myself. There are limits to the conversation that you can have. But but it's really well written, I think. And a lot of times, even those dialogue tree decisions are agonizing. Yeah. I've met this goblin witch and she's trying to convince me to drink this potion. And I'm like, I don't really know what this potion is. And she's like, no, you trust me, you should drink it. And I'm sitting there and I'm just like staring at the computer and my, my nine-year-old daughter's behind me. She's like, what are, you, are you okay, dad? I'm, I took my headphones off. I'm like, I don't know what I should do here. And so I'm talking to my nine-year-old about this goblin witch. She wants me to do this. Should I do it? She's like, goblin witch? Probably not. And I'm like, I'm like, no, probably not. But I kind of want to know what happens. So screw it. I'm going to drink the potion. Nice. So, I mean, spoiler free. Not- was it a good decision or a I'm, bad decision? I'm no spoiler. I'm, I'm no spoiler. Oh, it was bad in the short term, but it ended up being okay. But I, or when I was going through that abandoned village, I come on the shed with the door and I do a perception check against the door and I hear moaning from inside. And then you're like, well, do you want to open the door? Having some sense at least of what's probably going on in there. And I'm like, I don't know that I want to open this door. <laughs> and I'm like, I got, I got to, I got to do it. Open the door. And I'm gonna give you one little spoiler. There was a bugbear being an ogre inside that shed. <laughs> Not a joke. There's a dead body in there too. Yeah, it, this game is crazy. <laughs> Aren't you glad you opened that shed? <laughs> really, really regret opening that shed. <laughs> and I don't know what dialogue box you got at that point, Jay, but. One of the options was to join in. I did. <laughs> oh dear! Uh, the game's got a really good sense of humor too. I think that's that's a good thing to know too. Yeah, and I think Jay and I probably, if you haven't already figured it out, probably turned on like the mature content yeah. settings. This is not. If you have little ones oh. at home that are considering this, you can turn off that level of. Okay. Build. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. So. Okay, you guys are bringing up some really, in my head, some really cool, cool situations. What What is something that's happened, and maybe you've already shared it, and, and the shed doesn't count, okay? What is something that you, you're, you're, in that, you're in that sort of zone of playing, you've been on for you know an hour, hour and a half. What is something that's happened in the game that has made you sit up and be like, okay, okay, like combat, uh, an NPC you're, you've encountered where you're like, whoa, what is this? Have you come across something like that that has just been a sit-up moment and 1,000% I'm zoned in? I was watching my daughter play last night. Like I said, she just rolled up her characters. My characters are at level three, almost a four. I don't know where your J- yours are. Yeah, probably three. similar. I'm at three also, yep. Yeah, Leah's characters were one. Maybe Maybe she'd gotten them up to level two. She's walking along, and my daughter, the person, loves animals. 
Mm. And a rat runs past her on the street. And she initiates a conversation with the rat. And I'm sitting there watching going, will you go fight something? (laughs) And she initiates a conversation. She and the rat start talking. The rat starts talking about its feelings and why it's upset. And then tells her to follow it. I literally, I stood up with my mouth wide open, watching, just watching this interaction. It's over by the Druids. So, of course, everybody's, you know, half the Druids are in, have wild shaped. I don't know if the rat was wild shaped, but because I had tried to talk to some of the Druids, I tried to talk to a bear and a pig, and they just make the appropriate noises, and that's the end of the conversation. But Leah persisted and engaged this rat in conversation and it led to a building that I didn't even know you could go into and like this whole hidden tunnel and it solved one of the plot points all because she talked to a rat that ran in front of her. And I'm just thinking, how was, you know what I thought? You know what I thought? How the hell was I supposed to know that I was supposed to talk to the rat? You did it wrong, just like with Dan session. I did did it wrong again. I was just, (laughs) I was just blown away at how that one minor decision on the decision tree Uh leads to an entire branch and branches off branches. Yeah. It was unbelievable. I'm going to say my example. I didn't talk to the rat, so I I didn't have any of that either. You missed out. Yeah. So in the in the same abandoned village as the as the bugbear love shack, there is a the, this this home. This so the, t- totally everything has been destroyed. Everything's run down. There's no people left other than some goblins. You find this what was a the house of the home of a healer, and you find a, a mention in the ledge. You find a ledger, and it leads to a basement where you like think maybe I can go find some potions or something down here in this mm-hmm. in this basement. And you start reading some of the journals, and there's there's, there's just some weird sort of dark things going on with this guy. And, and and again, you're not talking to an NPC; you're just reading stuff left behind and reading the clues that they left behind. And then you find this secret door in the cellar and it leads into this whole giant lab. And it turns out this guy was this crazy necromancer and he had this evil book of necromancy that he was trying to decipher and you find the book and then you have to figure out what you're going to do with it. You got, so one of your NPCs is like, who is this sort of morally nebulous uh, rogue? He's like, dude, give me the book. I'll, I'll, I'll hold the book. And I'm like, well, that doesn't seem right. And then my cleric is like, you should destroy this book. And I'm like, I don't know that I should destroy it either. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what to do. And so I'm, I'm just like this moral dilemma. Like, what do I do with this book? And so that was, that was a really engaging little subplot. And again, it's all, you're just reading clues and finding the artifacts left behind by this guy who's, you know, presumably been dead for quite some time. And you find out he's got this whole secret life that nobody in the village even knew about. And everybody thought he was this, you know, wonderful cleric and healer, but turns out he's this dark, twisted necromancer. And so it's actually really a really cool little sort of short story nestled inside the much larger game. And I still have the book. (laughs) Of course you do. I, I, I was paralyzed by the choice. <laughs> I'm just going to stick it in my backpack and we're just going to decide that later. Oh, you know what I did? I destroyed it. And then these three shadows popped up and just total party killed me. For, and I'm like, all right, <laughs> rewind. 
stick the book in my backpack. We'll deal with that later. Nice. I should mention here, I have had many total party kills. Combat is hard. And which which selection you took the middle selection on difficulty? Yes. Yes. Well, did both you both did? Yes. Yeah. I, Balanced, I think, is their word. Yeah. yeah. I'd read that the easy, whatever terminology they give for it, is really for the person who wants to enjoy the story. Yeah. Combat's just an inconvenience. And then balanced is for yeah. both parties. And then apparently the tactician or tactical, whatever the hard one is, is supposed to be insanely difficult. And for the person who really wants to sit during that turn base and really think about every single little move they want to do, they're like willing to take the time. So that's what I've read about it. Okay. If If there's one thing you could change so far about the game itself, what would that one thing be to make it more enjoyable? Hmm. My biggest frustration and is is just the camera. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I'm just, I really get frustrated trying to get the camera pointed to where I want it to point. Hmm. But that being said, you can also do some really cool stuff with the camera. I was, uh, last night when I was playing, I had gone down into the Underdark to try and find this lost artifact and... I was, and I, for whatever reason, I, I kind of swung the camera. I usually try to keep the camera sort of above and behind the party as they walk along, right? But for whatever reason, I don't even remember why I did that. I, I was just kind of swinging the camera. I think I was trying to figure out where I was supposed to go. So I was just swinging the camera all around, doing, and I pulled it way back. And just this beautiful panoramic view of this underground cavern with all these glowing fungus and crystals. And my party was like way over here in the corner. But and you would not need to see all of that, but it's there if you want to. And so I was just sort of blown away by that. And then I kind of, you know, it was like a can't, it was like a movie, like I kind of zoomed in on my party again. But um, nice. it's, I mean, it's cool. So the camera lets you do neat stuff like that, but it's also has screwed me a couple of times in combat where I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't target the right thing because. Mm somebody was standing in front of the monster and I accidentally targeted one of my party members. <laughs> um, I also learned the hard way. That, <laughs> I find that annoying. My rogue has shot party members yeah. a, a couple of times. Huh. My wish is that you would get a warning that it would say, hey, do you really mean to target somebody mm-hmm. in your party? But that's more my stupidity than anything else. I'll... Yeah, I think, Tom, if I had, yeah, that's probably is, has been the biggest pain point just for me is just swinging the camera around, navigating, navigating what I wanted to point at. You know, the old days, Baldur's Gate 2, you didn't have a camera. Everything was fixed, 2D map, and, you know, it showed you what it showed you. You know, those days are over, so things are a lot more complicated now, but. (laughs) (laughs) So that, that, that would probably be my. That's been the biggest, the hardest thing for me to, 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 to learn. I feel like maybe I've, I don't want to say mastered, but I'm a little more comfortable with the camera than Jay is. But I, I did have a real... Easier. I wonder if it's easier on the PS5 with the controller. Than I was on just going to ask that. that I was just going to ask that. Sure. Yeah, I'm just using the joystick. That but I did have a, I, I did have a video game novice moment where I was in those ancient ruins that Jay's never heard of. Yeah. And... You can break through 
the stone surface you're walking on and it opens up a hole to the underground thing. And so I'm like, hmm, I should probably try and look down that hole. But instead of choosing the camera joystick, I chose the move joystick and I walked right over the edge. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So I meant to do something with the camera. And sometimes you're not allowed to do that. If there's like something... You can't always use the camera as a free scout, which got frustrating at times. You know, just in the moment, like, oh, I really want to see what's around the corner here before I stick my head out there. Equivalent of wizard eye. I know. I need. I need arcane eye. That's what I need. Arcane eye. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys feel? Haven't you been into it now? What's its impact going to be on your D and D live play? Do you feel like this will enhance? when you get together with other real people, get your creativity going, or, you know, if we're being brutally honest, is this something that you feel like would replace it because you don't have to worry about people making dumb decisions and that sort of thing? Well, I'm going to tell you what, the next time we have a session, Dan, you're going to walk into a shed. (laughs) Baron and Ogre in there. (laughs) I don't know how Cal is going to deal with that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I it has sparked a few ideas. I'll be honest. There's probably going to be some stuff, maybe the bugbear and the ogre, maybe not, maybe some other stuff that I just lift whole cloth and stick it into our game. Cause I'm like, mm. that was really interesting. That was really cool. Maybe it's an NPC. Maybe it's a puzzle. Maybe it's a quest. I'm not really sure, but there have definitely been things that I have like, Oh, I really like that. Like that was really interesting to do, but no, I, I, it, it definitely would not replace it because it is still, yeah a video game. It's scripted as as good as the writing is and as impressive as the dialogue trees are, you're still picking from one of four canned options. You know, it's it's never going to replace, you know, the nonsense that you guys bring to the table and cause me to spin off into weird directions that I would have never imagined. <laughs> yeah, I, and especially my D&D experiences other than one session all of the D&D experiences I've had have been with Dan and Jay and my kids and our friend Rob, who I know has been on your podcast before. I mean, these are people, mm-hmm. I, again, that I've known my whole life. So I would never sacrifice those times for us to be together, those social interactions for the sake of a video game. Now, it's certainly convenient to come home at 11 o'clock on a Friday from a poker game and go, you know, I think I'll just try that combat one more time. <laughs> you know, I don't have to worry about getting everybody together and, uh, True. you know, so there, so it does scratch an itch, but it scratches a different itch. Is it easy I will to get frustrated though, like watching some of the people in our party, like take two minutes to make a decision. When I'm used to like, okay, now you're going to do this. Now you're, you know, I'm used to being, oh, you guys know, you know, I like being in control. I'm a teacher. I like being in control. So in this game, you are in control. Yeah. Yeah. What were you going to ask, Tom? Is it easy to walk away from playing? Like, do you get to a point where you're, you're like, okay, I can, I can shut it down. I can save. I've had my fill. I have found that easier than I know Jared has. I know what his answer to this question is going to be. It, I, I have to think back to my days of playing Baldur's Gate 2 to think that was the last time probably that I got that sucked into a game where I literally couldn't stop playing it. 
I don't know if it's just age or I got too many other things to do or I got to get up and go to work in the morning. Like it, I have not felt that pull to where I just want to keep going and play until dawn. I'll play for an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And I'm like, okay, I'm good. So I, I, but I know Jared's answer. This is going to be different. (laughs) Uh, That story about coming home from a poker game. Yeah, that was true. Um, I came in at 11. I thought, oh, I'll just do a couple of things here. I just want to figure out how this works. Grabbed a cocktail. And the next thing I knew, it was 2 a.m. Came home from school on Monday. Sat or went downstairs to the PS5 at 4.30. At some point, my wife brought me some dinner. That was right at a TPK. And I'm like, ah. she's like, do you want to take this upstairs? I'm like, no, just give me, just said it. I'll be right there. Just let me, I want to do this. <laughs> yeah, it was not, it was 9.15. So I played almost five hours on Monday after school, including eating, like shoving food in my mouth. Like, okay, the NPC is talking now. I can get a bite of this. The other, the other night I came home from work in a volleyball game and I said, okay, it's 845. No, I'm not going to play because I'm not going to be satisfied if I only play for an hour and then go to bed. So I'm already like making life decisions and time-based decisions yeah. on uh, around this game. And I'm, I'm sure, I think maybe it'll wear off eventually. I mean, like I said, uh, the, the first video game I've been addicted to in a very long time. But yeah, I when I'm not playing it, I'm thinking about it or I'm talking about it with Jay or my daughter. Or I'm trying to avoid watching videos or do anything. I did, I did watch a little bit of a YouTube video that was like the top 10 things that new players need to know in act one Mm. and i watched it and like the first three things i was like oh those are good ideas but soon as honestly soon as they started talking about part of parts of the map that i hadn't gotten to yet i turned it off because i didn't want the surprise to be ruined (laughs) but like oh i didn't know you could sell all the weapons and plates and crap you find in every wooden chest and barrel i didn't know you could sell those for money I didn't know that finding all these different herbs and things that you could actually craft healing potions and blah, blah, blah. I haven't know what all that was for. I haven't gotten into the crafting at all yet. That's that's a whole other thing. I haven't even explored it all yet. Buying potions is for suckers. (laughs) 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 One thing kind of ties into Dan's question about will Baldur's Gate experience replace face-to-face? Dan and Jay know that with my face-to-face characters, I will spend literally hours planning their level ups, like weeks, months before they're going to occur. And I've got notes in my phone so that I don't forget, okay, when I get here, I'm going to take this spell and blah, blah, blah. Like Jay said, we're in charge of, you're in charge of everybody's level ups in your party i i make the decisions in like 30 seconds oh here's a spell oh do this that i am not spending investing the time in these electronic characters that i am in my own characters yeah i I spend a lot of time thinking about i'll text these guys okay well i just spent my entire prep period trying to figure out what what two spells I'm going to get when my wizard gets the next level. I think that's a good point. I definitely don't have the emotional attachment to my Baldur's Gate character. Hmm. 
No. He has died numerous times. Whatever. Rewind to the last save point. Try again. Yeah. The stakes yeah. are not as high as they are in a tabletop game where if Dan kills off one of my characters, I know Dan isn't going to let me replay that combat. <laughs> no, I do think they feel more, I guess, disposable is the word I would use. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good point. I was just going to say, you know, when we talk about the difference between the in-person versus the Baldur's Gate uh, video game, I have to say, you know, we hang around a lot of teenagers. I have not heard a single teenager talk about this game at really? all. Hmm. And it Same. makes me want to kind of ask, ask kids, you know, hey, have you played Baldur's Gate? I don't know. Is it, do, do kids just have Xboxes and not PlayStation 5? I don't, I don't know the answer oh. to that. Because um, I have an Xbox, you know, and and I, it's probably it's not even an Xbox One, so I don't I probably will not be eligible to get this game because I doubt they're going to make it for the regular Xbox. But I do want I do find that to be kind of interesting that you know over the last two weeks I've spent a lot of time with kids that play a lot of games and not a single and they're face to face games and not a single kid has said anything about Baldur's Gate. I don't know numerically, financially, how this game is done. I, I've, I, I don't know. Any of you seen? No. But I am amazed. I am amazed at the possibility I, that it brings. I don't have it. Yeah, I don't have an explanation for the for the lack of interest in in from, from teenagers. I, I don't know. Well, cool. This has been this has been a lot of fun. I love hearing about video games, and you you have enticed me. I don't think I'll, yeah. I'll be able to go out and get a uh, PlayStation 5, but if it ever does come out for the Xbox as an Xbox product, I do believe this will be something that I will pick up, if nothing else, for the Dungeons & Dragons aspect. You know, for that, for that month where we end up not playing because we just can't get a game together. Right. It could satisfy. And I felt like Skyrim did that for me. Okay. You know, Skyrim bridged a lot of gaps in face-to-face role-playing if I can do it in a framework of fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons, whoo, I can only imagine how tied up I could get. It does sound yeah. like a lot of fun and it sounds it's, massive. It, it is massive. If you think back to playing Baldur's Gate one, all those decades ago, the, the main criticism of that game at the time was that you would spend all this time walking and exploring this, wilderness area only mm-hmm. because there was one interesting thing in the bottom left corner yep. and you'd have to you know uncover and walk across the whole thing say oh there's the cave i'm supposed to go into and i just spent you know an hour and a half walking yeah father's gate three is dense with quests mm. <laughs> there is stuff yeah. to do and so you never feel like what do i do next i don't know what i'm supposed yeah. to do next you you, you got a whole i got eight quests going i got to Pick one of them. Just pick one of them. We'll do it. I was texting Jay today. I've got three things I want to do when I get home, and I don't know what order to do them in. <laughs> and those three things were not mow the lawn, make dinner, and clean the house. <laughs> um, Have those no, things been done? I don't think, all right, Have my wife can't do that. No, those <laughs> things. Uh, a plate of food appeared. I'm not even sure where it came from. <laughs> It's also an interesting time. Those old games, I, I actually looked it up while we were talking because I couldn't remember, are based on the second edition rules. 
And this is based on the fifth edition. So you can kind of, so it's kind of interesting right. to see how mechanics have changed too over the editions. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't want to keep you guys from playing anymore. I'm looking <laughs> at the clock. There's still, there's still plenty of evening hour to get into the game and, and uh, start back up, <laughs> get another quest or gain five more, you know. Well, yeah, sure. You can play for another five or six hours before bedtime. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out if Tom cast detect thoughts on me, because that's kind of creepy. It wasn't hard. You, you, uh, your, my insight role was, was spot on. I can tell. Uh, you're not the first person who is, uh, who's made that observation about me. <laughs> well, gentlemen, this has been a ton of fun as a, as a video game fan but especially as a Dungeons & Dragons fan, this has been really cool to listen to your experience of playing this game. Excellent. Well, gentlemen, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on Teachers in the Dungeon. The hand bone is clearly gone. The, the goblins are getting restless. <laughs> I think it's time to wrap this up. Well, thank you everyone for joining us on uh, Teachers in the Dungeon. Don't forget, you can reach out, ask us questions. Then maybe we can pass them on to Jay and Jared and we can get back to you. Um, or if you're playing Baldur's Gate, let us know your experience. We'd love to share your experiences on the air here on Teachers in the Dungeon. You can email us, teachersinthedungeon at gmail.com. Send us a message on Instagram or Facebook, Teachers in the Dungeon, or on Twitter at Dungeon Teachers. So for Dan Ream, Jay and Jared Gross, I'm Tom Gross. We'll catch you next week and keep rolling those 20s. See you later, folks. That wraps up today's session, so thank you for listening to Teachers in the Dungeon. We appreciate you and your feedback. Until the next time we see you in the dungeon, we hope you roll high on those saving throws. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear what happens in the adventure, subscribe to the podcast. Have questions, thoughts, or ideas? Check the show notes for our website and our contact information. This podcast is not affiliated or endorsed by Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro, or any other third-party Dungeons & Dragons entity. Teachers in the Dungeon is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders in the U.S. or abroad. The official Dungeons & Dragons website can be found at www.dnd.wizards.com.